podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Scott's making a list. Grant's checking it twice. They're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Ho, 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 boys. The boys are back, and hopefully, Grant will be sending in his thoughts on that game when he gets a chance, Uh, but we're having a little bit of a scheduling hiccup back and forth, so uh, it's going to be broken up a little bit. I don't think you're going to hear both of us together, but like I said, hopefully we will get Grant to send in his thoughts a little bit later, so Man, uh, not a not a not a great week uh, for K State sports. At least the big two, K State women's basketball won, so that's good. But uh, man, it, it was not good. It was uh, not fun. Uh, Twitter message boards not a fun place to be. You had two very disappointing uh, basketball games where. Yeah, had to think that you should have won Drake. You know, Missouri Valley team, not very good. I, I mean, I don't know. I think they'll probably end up being middle to upper half of the Missouri Valley. But, you know, you, losing a home opener, uh, even in a pandemic season, to a non-Power 5 team sucks. And then they turn around on Friday, the men's basketball team, get out big versus Colorado early only to have that squandered away and end up losing in a game that ends up not even being that close down the stretch. So that's a little demoralizing. And then, of course, uh, the now four-game losing skid continues in what was possibly the most frustrating game in the Chris Kleiman career. Sadly, over the last, (laughs) uh, I don't know, the last four games, you you could make an argument over all of them being... uh, the most frustrating. I mean, you lose, you get blown out, not really ever in a game versus West Virginia, which is a fine team, but, you know, they're not even a top 25 team. Then you have, uh, you know, that, that lost Oklahoma State that got away from you that you really uh, wish you could have had, and especially when you think of what was on the line at that point in the season. And then turn around with one of the biggest, uh, most lopsided, embarrassing losses, losing – uh, you know, and getting shut out versus Iowa State, and then again, uh, you know, one loss Baylor team beating you, blowing a you know two possession lead. You had a two possession lead three different times in the game, and blowing that and losing it on the last play of the game. So it is not um, it's not good times for K State sports. Um, throughout rest of the show, you know, I'll give my take. I'm sure. I hope we can get Grant on, uh, and he'll send in his thoughts. Uh, and what what sucks about this season, it's a pandemic season, you can explain away any of these individual losses and individual moments, but it gets tiring as a fan And if you're not going to just say, oh, this season doesn't matter, which is something that I haven't done. I, I think that if you say a pandemic season doesn't matter, um, then what's stopping you from saying sports don't matter? Yes, in the grand scheme of things, sports really don't matter, but it's an escape. It's something that we all have these connections and emotions tied to and something that we all, at least I assume if you're listening to this, because uh, if, if you don't care about sports, and honestly I have no idea why why you're listening to the show, but it's it's something that we all care about and we have emotions tied up to whether or not it's a good use of our emotional energy or not. That's a conversation maybe for another day. But when you do care, it's tough to see what these four back-to-back-to-back-to-back losses have been. And quite frankly, you have to wonder 
uh, how much this team has left in the tank emotionally after this game for that final game versus Texas. You could you could go from a season where you won your first four Big 12 games to then losing your final five, and that's not good. Again, we'll I'll talk later. I'll touch on my thoughts and what I think about um, the future of K State football and what, if anything, this might have a long lasting effect on. Um, but I'll, I'll probably close the show out with that. So hopefully what you guys are going to do, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that uh, you'll hear Grant and I'll swing it over to him so he can give his take on the game. But before we do, I want to talk about our sponsor and that is Bet Online. Folks, Thanksgiving might be over, but it's still a great time to get over to Bet Online. You're wrapping up college football season. And honestly, with the weird pandemic stuff going on, we saw like four weeks left of the regular season and then conference championship games before you get into bowl season. So you still have so much college football in front of you. You have the NFL. College basketball is like 100% in full swing. Grand games are going to be canceled left and right. K-State's game versus Butler is being postponed. I'd be a little surprised if they got that in. But if you use promo code over or promo code armchair over at Bet Online, they're going the extra mile to make sure you can wager on everything from game props, winners, losers, lines, coach and player props, season props. Get over there today it's also a great time to be betting on soccer both domestically and internationally all the top leagues in europe in europe are going and mls playoffs are in full swing go sporting kc so get over to bet online use promo code armchair hopefully the next thing you will hear is grant giving his unfeathered unedited takes i'm not going to be anywhere around uh so he will just you know have full reign so we'll see what he has to say, and then we get back, I will do a little bit of the same. Hey folks, welcome to the show, thanks for listening. It's going to look a little bit different today, obviously, as Scott, I'm sure, has mentioned before. Um, We were supposed to do a show, a review show, but couldn't iron out a time to get it done today, so we're just going to both submit two completely different um, rants, and we'll see where that goes. I have no idea what Scott said. Um, I'm excited to listen to what he has to say, but um, I guess I'll just get into mine. We are obviously reeling. Reeling as a fan base, it's been a tough November five-game skid. Um, I gotta say, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect us to lose five games in a row. Um, It's extra bitter considering where we were at the start of this month. Um, Being 4-0 and having dreams of Arlington and, um, you know, hoping for a fun November, an engaged November, Um, and it's just, I think we've been really unlucky in some places and we've been obviously completely outmatched in other places but COVID has just been such a bitch of a year and um I guess I guess I should be looking at this as gravy um but it does kind of feel just like after losing five games that we have taken several steps back um that need to be addressed but um I'm going to give you my rant here and I'm going to start off with the negatives and I'll try to end with some positives and some optimism but I'm going to give you 10 things that I think need to be addressed right now. Um, And number one is Joe Klanderman. I think uh, it's been a tough year for Joe. Uh, He's had one year as a Power 5 defensive coordinator, and I'm not sure I've seen enough from him in year one to continue to allow him to grow into that position. Um, You know, we've regressed defensively from last year. Uh, Losing Scotty Hazleton was always going to be a tough loss for us, Um, but I think we've regressed from from game one. Um, Some of that exacerbated by a thin roster and, you know, losses at key positions, but our situational defense remains to be pretty terrible. Um, And I think that comes from coaching, um, and that comes from putting your guys in the right positions. Our third down defense continues to be very poor. Um, I think it's in the 40% or the 40% of opponents, our opponents are getting 40% of their third down conversions. It's somewhere in that range, even higher, I think. And that's just 
inexcusable. You got to get off the, off the field more than that. Um, it's just it, it's it's a bad recipe for for success. Um, and you know, outside of really TCU, since the Arkansas State game, the defense hasn't shown the ability to get stops in the game uh, when they need to, when the game is on the line, when the offense is needing them to to bail them out. Um, they haven't been able to do that. And maybe that's the problem. <laughs> maybe the offense asking them to bail them out too many times is part of the problem. Um, but it wasn't the problem against Baylor. I mean, 31 points was enough to win that game. And the defense failed to get it done. Um, I mean, we had a two-score lead in the fourth quarter, and the, the defense couldn't hold. <clears throat> I don't really like hiring from within. Um, I think it's lazy. And, um, you know, of course it's likely due to K-State being limited with their funding. But, you know, if we went out and found an experienced defensive coordinator and moved on from Glanderman after just one year, I wouldn't be heartbroken by any means. Um, number two, Courtney Messingham. Big talking point um, in the K-State football world at this time. Uh, I think he's shown... He's a, he can scheme. He can scheme really well, um, but just not consistently enough. Um, he's been let down by execution from the players multiple times, and that has to be factored into you know the calling of his games and the judgment of his game calling um, because when he is calling a good game and he's putting his chess pieces in good positions to strike, he's not getting credit for it because the players aren't executing, um, and that happens more often than people want to admit. Uh, but there are times when, you know, I think he's married to his philosophy and he's married to his strategy and he's forcing square pegs into round holes and it just doesn't work. Um, he's too conservative at times. He does not have the pieces that he needs to fulfill his plans. And I don't think he sees that sometimes. Um, there's situation where, situations where he needs to be creative and he's very uninventive and sterile. Uh, last night he was too predictable. When the game needed to be iced, and uh, he failed, I think he failed the players in that instance. Uh, number three, there really are no peripheral coaches that I'm married to, <laughs> except for maybe Van Malone. I think, I mean, I think Van Malone is very valuable to the program. I think you know he's a good coach and he's a good recruiter, and I would want I want Van Malone to stick around the program for as long as we can keep him. And I think to be fair to Coach Tui, you know, I think he's done well with the defensive tackles. Other coaches, I think, are genuinely all replaceable. Um, and that goes for both the major coordinators. But I think Klein is replaceable. Um, although, to be fair to Klein, I think Tom Brady could be the quarterback coach right now and would not help Will Howard. Um, Ray, Jason Ray, absolutely replaceable. And I anticipate he's going to leave. I don't have any inside information, but I anticipate he's going to leave. Um, not super sold on Connor Riley at this time. Um, but to be fair to him, I, I do think the O-line has improved from day one and it's so, so hard to judge, um, Connor Riley, I think, considering the conditions of this season. Um, other coaches I think are absolutely replaceable. Number four, Will Howard, not good at quarterbacking at this point in time. Um, he is just extremely limited. And that makes our team extremely limited, our offense extremely limited. Um, of course, he has very few weapons to work with, um, but he's missing open guys by miles, and he's been careless with the ball. Straight up, just an inaccurate passer, uh, which is not something I expected to see from him. Um, he's scared in the pocket. He goes through maybe one read. He gets locked onto one read. Typically, it's deuce. Um, it's like a short crossing route or... It's something deep that has no chance. Um, it's just he's he's at a rough go. He's at a really rough go. Um, he ain't it right now. And I'm not sure he ever will be, to be fair. Um, to me, he just looks like a serviceable backup in the future. Um, and that's probably not fair to make that judgment at this point in time, at this juncture. It's, it's too early in his career, and he's getting a shit ton of things thrown at him right now, which, you know, it's not fair to him. It's a really tough situation, but he's been really poor, really, really poor. Quarterback next season, I think you have to hope that Skyler comes back and we can have Howard and Rubley battle it out for backup. I just can't imagine that Rubley is worse 
than Howard has been. I mean, if he was in the same scenario, there's no way you could ever know that. But, you know, Rubley's got more pedigree to him. He's something to be excited about. He's a 5.8, you know, four-star guy that people think is a good quarterback. And um, I think he's I think he's going to take Will's job uh, pretty quickly. But uh, you got to hope Skyler comes back and gives both of those guys a lot of time to develop. And if he doesn't, you got to get your ass in the transfer portal and look for a quarterback. And then you got to hit the recruiting trail hard for the quarterback position. Uh, number five, third quarter recruiter or third quarter struggles are a major problem. And honestly, that's an indictment of the coaching staff as a whole. Um, it's an indictment of Chris Kleiman. We've been dominated in the third quarter. It's not just struggling in the third quarter. We have been dominated on both sides of the ball outside of one game, which is KU, and that doesn't count. Um, it costs us. It, it has costed us in games. It's, it cost us last night. It costed us um, against Oklahoma State. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Kleiman needs to take a long, hard look at himself, at, at the coaches, and ask, why, why, are we, why are the players coming out flat in in the third quarter, and and why are we being so badly out-schemed in the third quarter? Because it, it's making the difference, and it, it has to change. Number six, maybe it's actually time to talk about discipline. Um, I don't have any statistics tracked by any means, but and I, I typically try not to get too worked up about penalties because every team suffers from penalties, and it doesn't feel like a very valid talking point. But holy shit, it does seem like the last two seasons we've been plagued by untimely back-breaking penalties that are 100% avoidable. Um, personal fouls or unsportsmanlike conduct penalties that come at the most inopportune times have been killing this football program. Um, it must be addressed. It must be addressed. Uh, last night, four of them. Uh, two of them were admittedly complete bullshit, terrible calls. Um I mean, I'm not sure how those referees called that on Drew Wiley. Uh, he was literally right fucking there in front of him, four feet away. Awful call. And uh, the other one is extremely unfair to Duke, um, uh, Khalid Duke. It's just an absurd call. He hits he hits the quarterback in the thigh and then gets blocked into him. It's mid-tackle. The, uh, Charlie Brewer hadn't even released the ball yet when he had been hit. Terrible call. But the other two... Uh, We've got Trebasson Taylor with an unsportsmanlike uh, conduct after our score, and that gave Baylor a short field at, uh, for their offense when we needed to stop badly. And um, Ross Elder with that late hit takes them to first and goal. Um, uh, it's just unacceptable. It must be addressed. You know, I love that Kleiman has made this program about the players. He's given them more freedom and autonomy. I love that about him. That is one of his greatest strengths, I think. Faith in his players. But maybe it is time to tighten up the screws in some places. That brings me to my next point. Ross Elder. Stop playing him. Play somebody else in his position. Thanks. Number eight. Um, although it is very early still, I think it's fair. Maybe it's not. But um, questions about Chris Kleiman must be asked. You know, he's in uncharted territory at the moment. Never in his career has he lost like this. How will he handle it? How is he handling it? You know, he typically wins his press conferences in style with calm, collected, measured answers. Now he's short-fused. Uh, he seems to be rifting with some of the other coaches. You could tell he's uncomfortable, and I'm sure, sure, that's normal. That is normal after very tough losses. That's probably normal for any coach, any human being after a five-game losing streak, uh, but you can tell he is uncomfortable. Every decision he makes now matters far more than it ever did. His margin of error at K-State is razor thin compared to what he had at North Dakota State. You know, his clock management clearly needs some work. He needs to stop playing so conservatively, um, you know, particularly at halftime when we have a chance to go get points. You know, we've seen this time and time again with him. He's comfortable just packing it in um, at halftime, um, which I think is the wrong decision. And to be fair to him, maybe we don't have the tools right now to attack defenses and be aggressive in those situations. But in the past, I think we have. Um, last night, maybe not. But, you know, he's had some questionable game management issues that I hope going forward, I pray going forward, that he can iron them out. Number 10, or I'm sorry, number 9. I don't think, and I'm, I've seen, I'm seeing this 
all over the boards. I'm seeing it on Twitter. Uh, it's annoying. This is so annoying that it even needs to be talked about. I don't think he has any similarities with Ron Prince. There's no Ron, no no similarities between Ron Prince and Chris Kleiman outside of having uh, the same record <laughs> after 21 games. Both 12 and 9 after 21 games. Both similar marquee wins and similar losing streaks to end uh, the second season. That's it. That's where it ends. In this non-existent black and white world, they are similar. But I think that's extremely silly to look at it that way. I mean, look at Bill Snyder. Snyder 2.0, he was 12-9 after 21 games, and he gave us a Big 12 title and a near national championship appearance and another title attempt in 2014. I can't believe I'm praising Bill Snyder. Um, you can look at so many coaches. Uh, Dabo, Dabo was 6-6 six and six in year two at Clemson. Uh, which was regression from nine and five in his first year. Matt Campbell was like 500 in the Big 12 prior to this year, and look where he has his program right now in year five. I mean, who fucking cares? There's far more nuance to the situation than just comparing records and win patterns. Ron Prince had zero interest in his players and building his program and his fellow coaching staff. He torched it all from day one. He was a cultural terrorist and a sociopath, and he had zero coaching identity uh, to his teams. He was anything but bold and daring. He was a terrible leader. He's shown that once again at Howard, um, where he's been fired for making the same insane mistakes as before. Kleiman, you know, he's here for the long haul. He's a player's coach. He wants to play aggressive defense. He wants to play dominating power football um, on offense. He may end up not working out at K-State. Absolutely. That's that's totally possible, but that doesn't mean he's anything like Ron Prince as a coach or a person or in the way that he runs his program. They're not even remotely similar. I mean, Kleiman has an actual track record of like insane success and players willing to die for the man. Um, he's extremely well-respected in the coaching world, and you can't just belittle Kleiman's FCS success and then ignore Ron Prince's abject failure at the FCS level um, in Howard. They're not alike at all. Stop trying to make it a thing. Number 10 is just fuck COVID. I'm so sick of COVID. It's just been an overwhelming negative this year. Um, in every way, it's affected this program, I think, worse than many other programs across the country. And it sucks. It sucks. It's really unfair. It's unfair to the players. It's unfair to the fans. unfair to the coaches. It's something we have to deal with, unfortunately. But... People say you can't use COVID as an excuse. Yeah, you absolutely can. It's fucked up our whole season. <laughs> what do you mean you can't use it as an excuse? It's it's derailing our program at the moment, and um, K State doesn't have that ability to. It's it's affected clearly across the country programs worse than others, and K State is getting a very very rough lesson on you know, on COVID right now. Those are the negatives. Um, are you still with me? I hope so. Let's try to sprinkle some reality and some optimism into the doom and gloom. So how do we do that? Uh, we have to zoom out and try to look at the big picture. Um, I think from day one, Chris Kleiman has put uh, his positive stamp on this program and put us into an upward trajectory. You know, he brought swagger back into the program by allowing individuals and players to express themselves, giving the program power and autonomy back to the players, which was something that absolutely needed to be addressed um, from the prior administration. He inherited a ridiculously unbalanced and talent-deficient roster that finished 5-7, and seven, and he took him to 8-5 and five in year one and um, was a bouncer to, you know, away here and there from winning 10 games. He's shown that he can win games on the big stage um, by beating Oklahoma back-to-back -back season. Uh, he won on the road at Mississippi State. He beat a ranked Iowa State team last season. Um, he's owning Kansas. Uh, number four, I think he brings a style that is the perfect juxtaposition to the style of play that the Big 12 is. And I think he deserves ample time to try to find the right pieces to fulfill that style. Um, five, I personally think he has an eye for talent, and I think he's a good evaluator of talent. I think this point can honestly be solely proven by Deuce Vaughn, a Texas running back that over and over was rejected by Power 5 schools because of his size, and it took 
Chris Kleiman five minutes of tape to want to offer him. Um, now he's our most valuable and dynamic offensive weapon, and he's a freshman. Um, I think he's demonstrated an ability to find talent in the transfer portal. Um, in the grad transfer route, he inherited zero running backs. Zero running backs. A point that does not get enough attention. It's one of the most absurd and honestly funny situations. And it highlights just how negligent and careless Bill was towards the end of uh, his transition of power. But that's another thing. Uh, Kleiman, what did he do? He went out and he found two quality senior running backs to fill that gap. He's gotten Briley Moore, which is one of the best tight ends I've ever seen wear purple. I mean, he's he's got a good eye for talent. He's good in the transfer market. And this is an extremely relevant time to have those skills which in a, a year where triple the amount of transfers are in the transfer portal and the pool will be you know open it's it's going to be he's going to have an opportunity to fill some gaps that are badly needed and I think he will do that I think he's shown that he knows the importance of building quality depth throughout the roster by finding playing time for young guys all over the field as many reps as possible. This is an extremely important quality for not only turning over a roster and rebuilding a program, but for the consistent established programs to practice because it eliminates the drop-off when you lose starters and it helps you uh, keep that consistency. And we're seeing that right now as our roster becomes depleted, just how important it is to have that quality depth at those positions. Um, look, the reality is that 2020, it was always anticipated to be a down year. We've said it a thousand times on this podcast. Um, there is not a magic wand that you can wave to fix the roster deficiencies that existed before this season. Now add a season ending injury to our most valuable player and leader, and then add COVID into the equation of a roster that is already very thin to begin with. What do you expect to happen? you have no margin of error. Anything that goes wrong, and it, it can explode in your face. And we've seen that. We've seen that as evidence in the last five games. Um, K-State is worn down extremely thin at several positions. Um, COVID removes two of our best linebackers the last two games, and, we, uh, and the drop-off is immense. The drop-off is immense. So going forward, obviously, we need to address... Um, those roster deficiencies. He needs to hit it, hit it extremely hard in the recruiting trail and possibly look to transfers to fill some gaps. But um, he has... I don't know what anyone expects from this season. Um, it was gravy to be 4-0 in the Big 12 and for us to have a chance to dream um, about Arlington because... You know, this was going to be a tough transition year, even with, uh, you know, a full roster, even without COVID, even with Skylar Thompson starting at quarterback. It was going to be a tough year, and we were going to have to scrap. Um, but now it's it's a completely different ball game. And I am going to say some things here that might make a few of you a little bit sick. We love to belittle Iowa State on this podcast, and especially Matt Campbell. But they are comparable. They are a comparable program for us to use as an example. And before you freak the fuck out about what I just said, hear me out. Matt Campbell is in year five. He has inherited, he did inherit, one of the embarrassments of the Big 12. 3-9 and nine Paul Rhodes' Iowa State team. He took them to 3-9 and nine <clears throat> in his first year. And then 8-5, and 8-5, and 7-6. And, and now in his fifth year, he's 7-2 and two overall, 7-1 and one in the conference. And he's on his way to a Big 12 championship with Iowa State for the first time ever. And uh, for Iowa State, like their first conference, their last actual conference championship they won was like 106 years ago or something hilarious like that. It took him five years to achieve this. Um, how did he do it? Look, Iowa State not lighting up the recruiting trail by any means. They're very, very similar to us. We can achieve exactly the type of roster talent that they have. Um, since 2016, let's look at their last five recruiting classes. 2016, they were 53rd. 2017, 44th. 2018, 54. 2019, 47. And 2020, 44. Average class for Iowa State ranking is 48th. Chris Kleiman has had one actual recruiting class, one recruiting cycle, which is 2020, and he finished 49th. Um, give him five years of recruiting and tell me where he's at. Tell me where the pro what the project looks at looks like in five years. Um, the key to recruiting, um, you know, teams like the key to recruiting four teams like K State and Iowa State 
is to get big wins in key areas for the team and then build quality depth around around them through the rest of your roster. You know, you get a quarterback like Brock Purdy, a quarterback you believe in. You steal a dynamic running back like Brees Hall, and then you build around them. You build a solid team around them that believes in the program, that has a wider margin of error so that you can complete that you can compete consistently and beat big teams. I mean, then you have to cut your ass off because, you know, you'll still be behind to the big teams, which brings me to my next point. Chris Kleiman is in year two at K-State and in year two of Power 5 football. And his reality has changed drastically from FCS, um, where he was so consistently dominant. And maybe, you know, just maybe, his coaching blade was dulled a bit. I think he's clearly a good coach um, that I think has actually covered up a lot of our deficiencies on our roster. But he's made mistakes, no doubt. He's made mistakes, no doubt, because he's been put into situations that he's never been put in before. Um, he's used to being dominant. He's He's got to make adjustments. Um, I 100% agree with that. Um, going forward, he has to make adjustments, but I mean, let's bring it back to Matt Campbell. Like just two years ago, one year ago, you could look at Matt Campbell and I, I was saying there was a narrative that Matt Campbell is a dumbass, like a terrible coach making, not a terrible coach, but making pretty glaring boneheaded mistakes and consistently, um, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. How many times was did that happen? How many times did we see Matt Campbell and this his Iowa State program do that in the last three or four years? Multiple times. Multiple times. It's a process. And now he's in year five, and he's got the program where you want it to be in year five. I mean, he's competing for a, a championship, and they're playing good football. They're playing good football, and they're going to be good for a while as long as Matt Campbell's there. And I, that's, I just think we're it's way too early to be hitting the panic button. Um, it sucks ass. We've lost five straight games. We're probably going to lose to Texas, finish uh, four and six. And it's really, it's going to be a really disappointing end of the season. But um, we have issues that need to be addressed. Um, and I don't think that the answer is that Chris Kleiman is a bad football coach and Chris Kleiman is in over his head and he doesn't, he doesn't know what he's doing and that he's not the guy to go and take us forward because I think he's shown plenty of evidence that he is a long-term program builder and he, you know, he has a track record of success. He knows what it takes to win. Um, I like what he's done with the roster so far. I like, I mean, the young guys he's played have really impressed me. Um, we just need to get healthy. We need to get out of COVID and, uh, it'd be nice to steal a win against Texas. Last night was really our chance to stop the bleeding and, I understand, you know, people should be mad about losing a one and five Baylor. They were that that was a fucking awful Baylor team. We should not have lost that game. We should not have lost that game. Um, and I I think it's important to you know set the tone in a program and and win close games like that. But it's year two. It's early, and um, we will bounce back. We will bounce back. It may not be against Texas, but um, I think this program still has a bright future. I think Chris Kleiman's the guy. And um, going forward, let's let him get his guys. Let's let's give him time. Let's give him time. And let's get the fuck away from COVID because we can't survive COVID. K-State can't survive COVID. It's, it's been, been really, really tough on us. So don't hit the panic button. We're going to be all right. I talked for a lot longer than I thought I was going to. Um, I hope you could stand it. I hope you're still awake. Um, but if not, um, just keep listening, you know, put it on three X, um, smash through it, give us some, some listens and, uh, have fun listening to Scott. I'm sure he's going to be a lot cheerier than me. Hopefully we were able to get Grant on and hear what he had to say. Um, before I get into more my take on the game, jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Untrimmed cubes are a thing of the past. One of our great sponsors is Manscaped.com. Get over to Manscaped.com. Use promo code armchair for 20% off and free shipping on your entire order. The Lawnmower 3.0 is making sure I look as good as I can below the belt for any holiday festive activities that include taking off your pants. Also, they have the best boxer briefs 
in the world. Normalize giving your friends boxer briefs as a gift. Give your brother, brother-in-law, father, father-in-law, uncles, any of the men in your life, give them a pair of boxer briefs. Use promo code armchair for 20% off and free shipping. If you send me the receipt from manscaped.com, I will send you a Bosco's Boys koozie and a Christmas card. All right, so honestly, that game, I I touched on it a little bit at the top. It it is a little demoralizing to see how you just dominated the game, uh, you know, in that first quarter, um, and you couldn't quite get much going in the second quarter. And then again, the third quarter, confusion continues it's it's frustrating you know uh it's become almost almost a joke because right when it gets to the fourth quarter you 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 score a touchdown and you do score on quite a few drives in the fourth quarter you couldn't move the ball in the final one and we'll talk i'll talk on that a little bit as well but it's it's getting frustrating it's 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 getting concerning about this third quarter thing again i'm not smart enough to understand to diagnose plays and to figure out what's going on in the third quarter i don't know if there is some overarching theme to it but you have two drives you don't pick up any yards i think maybe one first down but even then i'm not 100 confident that you even got a first down in the third quarter on your two drives and that is kind of what started the snowball and domino effect for the defense because let's face it COVID has just wreaked havoc on the defensive line and the linebackers and basically the entire defense the entire team and uh you can't make use that as a massive excuse because every team in the country is dealing with it but uh when you only travel two defensive tackles and by the end of the game I think you had Kamari Gaines and Wyatt Hubert playing defensive tackle almost the entire game so you're not able to do your rotations I don't really recall seeing much if any rotations for the linebackers the entire game and then the the secondary depth especially at safety it's been well documented you're playing uh, you know, Hunter Henry, Cameron Key, you're playing Ross Elder. You, 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 the depth just isn't there opposite of J-Mac. And even J-Mac, you know, towards the end of the game, you could see that he was gassed. Something was wrong because he was getting juked. He was missing tackles. He just wasn't there. And, and it's so frustrating to see the second half turn out like that because they were so dominant in the first half. They had six first half sacks. I think they ended up with maybe eight total and I think upwards of 14 tackles for losses. So it's so frustrating to see how you dominate such a stretch of the game, and then all of a sudden, once you're gassed, you just can't get it back because here's the thing. Baylor's offense is not good. It is not good at all, and I'm not someone who is is panicking about Coach Klanderman. It's, it's his first time being a Power 5 defensive coordinator, no practice, all that type of stuff. But, but man, it, it's getting a little frustrating. We're giving up a ton of points. And I think statistically, we went from, after during those first four Big 12 games, one of the best defenses in the country, or not in the country, in the Big 12, to now, I think statistically, one of the worst. And it is, it's frustrating. It's maddening. Um, it, it, is it all just, hey, they, they get gas in the second half, or at least yesterday? I don't know. I don't think that's the only thing. Um, you just didn't make plays when you wanted to. I, I know I was frustrated with some of the penalties that made drives longer, and those are frustrating, but I'm not going to be someone who sits here and blames losses on referees because that's just that's just not the way I go about things. You, players have to make plays, and coaches have to put players in position to make plays, and it just didn't happen. And that is disheartening. It's frustrating. It's just, I mean, I don't want to say depressing because I, I think at the end of the day, you know, it is sports. It's supposed to be escape. But when, when inside the compass of being a sports fan, it is de- depressing to see how the defense just got worked over like that. It, one of the keys to VI I had was just score in the 20s because I think we need we, we should be able to keep Baylor under 20 points. And again, maybe I'm just holding on to that idea of what the defense was in those first four Big 12 games. Um, because they haven't been that defense. I mean, the Oklahoma State game, it was it, that was a good game. But, you know, West Virginia, Iowa State, and now, oh, man, and now Baylor just scoring in the 30s. It just, it, it's, it's not good. If you would have told me we were going to score in the 30s, I would have said there's no way we're going to lose. And I, I get it. Everyone has wanted to make Coach Messingham – 
the whipping boy and really make him out to be the scapegoat this year. But, man, if you're scoring over 30 versus Baylor, you need to be winning that game. So, again, it's a team game. It's the biggest team game in all the sports, so you can't put it on one side of the ball. But I, I personally was fine with – the offensive production, and again, that and that, that was even without with going dormant for long periods of the game, they're still able to score over thirty. So I'm not, I'm not going to really force the offense to hold that entire one. Um, and again, I, I think that the fact that they haven't been able to, you know, keep contributors healthy outside of because it's not just COVID there. There have been injuries, and it, it just it's just frustrating to watch. It, the second half, I think there was a screen pass that we almost got a sack, and then it ended up going for like 50 yards. And those are the plays that just make me want to pull my hair out with this team. And it, and it sucks because I, I was talking to someone about this after the game, and you, you can make this argument going the other way because you could say, hey, you could have lost the Texas Tech, TCU, and Oklahoma game. Um, but you're so close in three of these losses. You know, you, you lose basically almost on the last play of the game versus Louisiana, Oklahoma State, and now the actual last play of the game versus Baylor. And you're so close to being there. And we've played so many coach close games under Coach Common. I think he's six and six in games decided in a one score game. And that just proves with this roster, your margin of victory or margin of error is so small it's microscopic and I think that that's kind of when it comes down to the coaching staff where you have to realize that because if you do want to be very critical of the play calling I think that the final three plays our last drive really is frustrating for me um you know the defense is gassed. You know that in the entire second half, you've barely, barely been able to stop them, and you go so conservative. Coach Kleiman said that on the first play that the boost said that if Will would have kept it on the read, it would have been a first down. And again, Will Howard is a true freshman without spring practice, and I get it. Uh, you want him to make that read, and he did. He made that read, and he took it in for you know a 25-yard touchdown run. So you know he's capable of doing it, but man, I, I tell you what, at least from my untrained eye, you just look like you were just diving the ball in the middle and then that third down play, it, it, it wasn't going to get a first down. I, so that's where my frustration is when it comes to the play calling because it just it, you weren't going to pick up a first down. And then again, when, when you talk about Will Howard, and I think he has swagger, I think he has moxie, and he is tough. He is very tough. You see some of the hits he takes, he just pops right back up. So you don't want to take away from any of those things, but the decision-making just isn't there. You have two bad interceptions. You missed wide receivers because he's late getting the ball out. Uh, in the goal line, you missed Riley Moore because the pass he threw just nosedived, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating to have to continue to put him out there and play like that as a true freshman. I th- I'm going to be hyper-focused on what happens in the offseason when it comes to quarterback. Is Skylar Thompson going to come back? I think Jake Rubley is going to be on campus in January. They have to figure out what's going to go on with the quarterback position going into next year and long term. I, I want to see what Will Howard can do when he actually gets to work on his game, when he gets to actually develop. Because it, in the season, you're not doing that. In practice, you're game planning. You're putting stuff in for that specific game. He hasn't been able to take that jump that you want to see your young players do. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not writing him off for the future. But but we've been saying it for a long time. Jake Rubley shouldn't have anything to fear when he comes in. If if he has confidence in himself, he has to be thinking there's no reason this job can't be his. And Skylar Thompson has to be looking around thinking, wow, is this really how I want my career to end? Does he talk to some of his friends on the team, J-Mac, Bradley Moore, and try to get some of these seniors to come back? I don't know. I'm not in those locker rooms. But you got to think they have to see how close they've been in some of these games and how frustrating this season has been the back end of this Big 12 season. And you have to think that's probably eating at him especially you know this week going into what would have been his senior day final home game versus Texas you got to think that's just eating on him so I don't know just oh it's just a frustrating game and again it, 
shows like this, talking about the games after games like that, are just, it's rough. It's not fun. It's, it's tough to do. But, you know, here we are. Uh, tweet us. I, I mean, I, I don't think anyone needs, you know, licensed event. We, we, we've seen a lot of it after the game. Um, I, I'm feeling a little more even keeled after it, but but it sucks. It, there, there's no way around it. When, when you see how close you were in some of these games to having a special season, it sucks, especially as someone who likes his coaching staff, someone who likes the administration, who likes a lot of guys on the team. It, it does become tough for to, to just write everything off as saying, oh, that's it's no big deal, it's no big deal. So... We'll continue moving on. I, I do want to give a shout out to a sponsor, and you know th- this is the sponsor that I probably believe in more than any of them, and that's Kansas City Direct Primary Care. They have a special team over there. Uh, Doctor Short realizes that this audience is mainly men, and you know they they put off the need to want to go to the doctor. You shouldn't be doing that. Doctor Short and his team, they're board certified family physicians. They're going to be able to take care of everything. But he's also a jack of all trades. That weird mole on your back, he can take care of that as well. Memberships at KCDPC cost the same or less than services like Keeps or Hems or Blue Chew. And they can get you those same prescriptions for much cheaper. They're able to treat and help you with so many different things. And for our audience only, for it's a bonehead special. It's only through the end of football season. They will give you a hundred bucks off a vasectomy. A fresh cut of the vast deference pairs perfectly with a fresh cut from the lawnmower 3.0. So get over to kcdpc.com or call 913-730-0331 for more information. Again, that is 913-730-0331 for more information. Seriously, guys, I, I, it's, it's been a crazy year. 2020 has sucked. Make sure you're taking care of yourself. And if you're in the Kansas City area, I could, I, I could not say enough good things about Dr. Short and the team over at KCDPC. All right, let's talk a little bit about the offense because, again, I think there, are, so many folks are wanting to point the finger at Messingham, I think because people didn't like Messingham coming into the year. And again, he's not perfect, but we had a season high rushing yards. We had 256 yards. We were averaging 7.3 yards a carry. We we're getting creative in the running game. You know, Harry Trotter was running well. Deuce Vaughn went over a hundred yards again. He had a long of 38. Will Howard had a long of 24. Harry Trotter had a long of 11. They got Malik Knowles going in the rushing game. It was so good to see Malik Knowles bust that out. You know, a 75-yard run, then he had another 6-yard run. That's what we need to be doing with Malik Knowles. I hope he comes back next year so we can get creative in getting him the ball. So you had stuff working, and that that's almost why it makes it tough for me to really be critical with them running those first two running plays on that final drive. It's frustrating because you didn't pick it up, but that's what was working. You know, we were able to move the ball. I thought the offensive line looked real good. I thought Poitier, or Pointe, I'm sorry, I'm butchering his first name, but true freshman, he was looking good at guard. I thought Cooper Beebe had a good game. I thought Noah Johnson had a good game. And that was, you know, no Revis, no, no Ben Adler, and you don't find that out until the night before the game. I thought with... With the circumstances they were thrown into, I thought the offensive line probably had one of their better games. I think Will Howard only got sacked once, so pass protection was all right. So I I get it. I I understand why uh, they they probably leaned into running the ball. They thought they were going going to pick it up, and they didn't, and that sucks. And And it was demoralizing to see it happen, especially on that third down play when you realize you're going to have to throw it. And, it. and again, it was demoralizing because we had not been able to throw the ball. So the, the good on offense was being creative in the running game. The offensive line looked good. We had it figured out running the ball until that final drive. What, what didn't work out is, you know, 88 yards passing, two interceptions, nine completions. Now of the 88 yards, you had 49 of them on one play to Bradley Moore and 16 of them to Malik Knowles. So that is damn near 80% of your passing yards are on two plays. Two plays of the 18 
accounts for almost all your yards. And that's just, that's bad. And I, I, I know everyone wants to dump on the wide receivers and dump on the pass catchers. But, you know, they got open on a couple times. He missed Sebastian Taylor right in the middle of the field on third down. He Will Howard just was not able to throw the ball. The accuracy wasn't there. The poise in the pocket wasn't there. Decision-making was, wasn't there. He was late on a couple of the throws. He had balls thrown behind. They were wobbly coming out, and it, it, and it sucks. Again, he's a true freshman. I think myself included and K-State fans have been too rough on uh, Will Howard for the situation he was thrown into. But this game probably was his worst of his young career and again he'll bounce back he has that swagger he has that confidence that's what you want to see in in the quarterback I I I, part of me worries about you know his confidence going forward but he he wasn't showing that today because every time he ran the ball or if he had a bad throw his head was up he I think he was much more tuned into this game than he was versus Iowa State which honestly probably was a worse game than this one for him but again not not great two interceptions you know QBR 44 it's not it's not great and, and it sucks it, it really sucks because you know w- without those turnovers and with a pass here or there maybe it's a totally different game but, but again it goes back to the margin of error is so little for this team and, and it's frustrating it's very frustrating before we talk about the defense real quick one more shout out to our great sponsor bet online get over there Bet on, you know, it's the home stretch of the NFL regular season. Still so much college football, all sorts of college basketball. I think I saw NBA training camps are starting up again in two weeks. So get over to Bet Online, use promo code Armchair for your welcome bonus to, you know, have fun wagering on sports. Uh, you have to do it online because Kansas, Missouri are stupid, hasn't been legalized in person yet. You know, get over to Bet Online. They're our exclusive online wagering partner of the entire Armchair Media Network. All right. Defense um, again, you, you can you can basically parse out the good and the bad into two different halves. The good was the first half when you're getting pressure, you're getting sacks, and you're just dominating the line of scrimmage. The bad was the entire second half once you were once you were gassed. And, and I, again, I think early on in the Coach Kleiman era, I criticize them for rotating as much as they did because I think that they weren't getting their players, the best players, enough snaps. And that was disheartening for me. That was annoying to me. But I think we've seen why they do it the way they are. Defenses, especially the way they play, so aggressive. Because this K-State defense is aggressive. And that's why they got burnt on so many of those draws and, you know, in screenplays. They're aggressive. They're going all out, you know, bull rush, you know, almost – 80% 80% of the time in passing downs, and, and, and that's the way they play. They're aggressive. I think that's the way the defense is always going to play under Coach Kleinman, but that's why they need to be able to rotate. Uh, once they came back out in the second half, and it was three and outs by the offense, and they're out there for almost the entire third quarter, um, it was gas, and it was game over. At that point, it was going to come down to could the offense continue to score, and sadly, it, it got to the end of the game, and on that final drive we had, we couldn't score. Because um, we weren't going to stop him. It got to the point where we just were not going to stop Baylor because the, the horses weren't there. The endurance wasn't there. They were gassed. And that's just a humbling. It's it, it's a scary moment. It, it sucks as a moment once you realize, hey, just not going to happen. As a football fan, there's a no worse feeling than when you know your defense is done and they're not going to be able to uh, st- stop the other team. And... You know, sadly, that, that's where they were in the second half. So it, it was a tr- tale of tr- two halves, and it really comes down to uh, the difference being the defensive line finishing out sacks and the D being gassed. Um, it sucks. Hopefully they get as many of their guys back for Texas as possible because you, you don't want to end on a five-game losing streak. But I think it, it is going to come down to can the defense get their legs back under them? Can they rotate and can they, you know, finish the game off? Because if they can't, if it's going to be another situation where you have two linebackers having to play the entire game and basically only having five defensive linemen at your disposal, I don't see us, I don't see it going any differently. So it really is that simple with the defense. I think anyone who tries to make it much more complicated than that, um, 
I don't know. I think I think it's a stretch. I, I think it really just does come down to the defense not not having the legs late in the game. So uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna finish the show. I'm gonna try to find the balance of holding the team and coaches accountable while also understanding what this season is, all the cards they were dealt, and just you know sports in a pandemic age. I. I think you have to find the balance. I and, and again, I'm probably biased. I know I'm biased because I, I like this coaching staff. I want to see what Coach Kleiman can do. I really like Coach Klanderman. I don't hate Messingham as much as other people do. So I, I acknowledge there's probably some bias in me trying to lessen the blow, and I'll, I'll own up to that. But I think you do have to realize what this team has been dealing with. Uh, all, all teams are dealing with internal strife for this season. All teams are dealing with players that have more in their plate than 18 to 22-year-olds should. Um, it sucks what's go- going on. Um, so, so there is that. But this team, this was always supposed to be a rebuilding year, and you didn't get the spring practice. You lost your undoubted team leader and best player on offense to a season-ending injury, and you, you, you were never able to give his backup a chance to succeed to his highest ability due to practice schedules, due to, I believe, you know, Will Hart even missed some time in the summer because he was out for contact tracing. So even the limited amount of time he would have had to really improve on himself, he didn't get to have. And then when you look at what was left over from a skill position situation for this staff, Again, this is year two. They've had three recruiting classes, and the first one, which for a lot of coaches is notoriously a scramble class, and you see a lot of attrition. But here's the thing. You had three three recruiting classes, and you haven't been able to hit on a wide receiver. You've only really been able to hit on one uh, running back that you brought in and developed. Yes, you were able to get two transfers last year, but Joe Irvin, he opted out. You know, Jacardier Wright just has not been what we hoped he was going to be this year. Harry Trotter is who he is, and I think he does. I think he gets more hate from the fan base than he should. But Deuce and Deuce Vaughn is good. Deuce Vaughn, they have legitimately hit on, but they haven't hit on any wide receivers. Malik Knowles hasn't been able to stay healthy. You haven't been able to get Sebastian Taylor the ball, and then after that, you have DJ Render, who's been bouncing back and forth between wide receiver. In safety his entire time at K-State. So yes, they weren't left with a lot of playmakers at any of the skill positions. But at the end of the day, this is season two and they've had three recruiting classes and we're towards the end of season two. So you have to have some concern there. You have to question some of that there. You can't give them a full free pass as much as I want to. But again, I don't think, I think again, you know, Shout out! He he know he listens. He knows who he is. But continuing to do the Ron Prince comparisons, I I'm just not there yet. I I understand people want to say, oh, Ron Prince can beat Texas and Chris Kleiman can beat Oklahoma, but you have bad losses in between. I'm not there yet. But but again, when when you're in the midst of a four game losing streak, possibly five, and one of those losses was versus a very bad Baylor team with a first year head coach who had to deal with a ton of attrition himself. I, I get it. The frustration is there. The frustration is valid. It, it, it is very valid after the last two games, and honestly, even the last four, to be very frustrated with this coaching staff. And people are starting to question them. I, I get it. I'm I'm not. I, I'm trying my best, and, and I'm probably going to have to do this in basketball season as well. I'm not going to tell other fans how to be fans. I'm just going to give how I feel on this podcast when it comes to the frustration with the coaches. At the end of the day, I understand it. It's valid, but I, I just can't get to full burn it down mode for for any coach during a pandemic season. Again, that's probably on me because I like the coaches who are currently at K State across the board. So that's that's probably on me. But I I, I think that if next season all of a sudden you're seeing some of these double digit point, you know second half losses or leads turn into losses if you still can't find a way to make your wide receivers productive if you can't find a true reliable you know number two to deuce Vaughn 
I think if you continue to not be able to score in the third quarter, you're going to have to, like all the excuses will be gone for Messingham and the excuses will be gone for climbing. Next year it really is kind of put up or shut up time because the excuses won't be there. And my fuse probably will be a lot shorter next year. And I can't imagine how short some of the fuses will be for some of you out there next year. When it comes to defense, I I think I'm probably giving even more of a pass again uh, between the injuries, the attrition, COVID. Uh, I'm probably giving even more of a pass than I even should, even using my standard. Um, I think we've seen flashes, uh, but but the issue with with the defense is it truly is peaks and valleys. There really isn't much in between. You're either having you know, great games like you had versus TCU, most of that Texas Tech game, the second quarter versus Oklahoma, just shutting down KU, all that type of stuff. Or you're having the second half versus Baylor, or you're getting torched by Iowa State and West Virginia. There's not much in between. They need to find some sort of stopgap for when things aren't working out. You can't be giving up, you know, 20 points and a half. You, you can't be doing that. So they need to find some sort of balance for when, hey, you're gassed or you don't have it. You have to find a way to stop the bleeding because once there's a gas, there's no stopping the blood for this defense. And that, that's a scary proposition in the Big 12, uh, especially in, in a year where, honestly, offenses are a little down. Uh, but long term, again, I'm, I'm not jumping off the bandwagon. I'm not. People want to get mad with recruiting, but – you know, I, I think that when it's all said and done, this recruiting class is going to be, you know, fourth or fifth in the Big 12 when it's all said and done. I like some of the pieces they're bringing in, and this is a developmental program. It's not going to be an overnight fix. I know that's frustrating for so many folks, um, but it's not. It, it really isn't. If, if they somehow were to beat Texas on Saturday, Coach Kleiman would have a winning Big 12 record in both of his first two years. Here's the thing. Snyder in 2.0, he didn't have a winning Big 12 record in either of his two. And Snyder took over a better roster and a better situation from Ron Prince than what Bill left Coach Kleiman. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. I get it. But what he's been able to do, what he's been able to do with – what he was handed has been all right by me. Again, I'm probably giving him too much leeway because I like him and I like the coach, but it it is what it is. They just have to keep going. So we'll see what happens for Texas. I, you know, it, t- you know, tweet in. Let me know if I'm going far too easy. I'm sure I am, but uh, you know, it sucks. It, it does suck. I'm I'm not gonna. I'm not going to say it doesn't suck because the last four weeks of college football has not been fun. Still got one more game left. And you know what? At the end of the day, I would still rather have college football than not, especially when it looked like we weren't going to have it for a long time. So we will uh, chat with you midweek to preview the Texas game. And, uh, you know, for Grant, he'd say meet you at the Cathead. I would say uh, we love you guys. Keep going. And, uh, yeah, just just keep going. Mama's holding down the kitchen, daddy won't stop bragging about how we cut us down a big one, perfect size, ten foot high. And we drug it through the front door and wrapped it up with lights. That Christmas tree ain't the only thing getting lit this year. There's old camp in the eggnog and that fridge is full of cheers. right here that christmas tree ain't the only thing it lit this year all paws in the pantry sneaking something from a flask hitting and he's nodding off again and we can't help but laugh cause cousin eddie's in from denver brought some homegrown mistletoe and if that's any indication how this holidays will go that christmas tree Thing getting lit this year. There's 
Network.